My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the conclusion of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be preached in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, raised his hands, and blessed them. As he blessed them, he parted from them and was taken up to heaven. They did him homage and then returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they were continually in the temple praising God. The Gospel of the Lord. Tuesday night, some friends from Missouri reached out to share some sad news. A 23-year-old friend of theirs who was a paramedic after finishing her shift around 2 a.m. went for an early morning workout at a local gym. She was the only one there, must have suffered some sort of a horrible accident while working out with one of the weight machines. And her body was discovered an hour later when the next patron arrived at the gym and just came upon the scene. This young lady was one of seven children and had been recently named Paramedic of the Year. All of the pictures of her and the testimonies of friends and relatives talked about her joy and her selflessness and the unimaginable grief that they were plunged into with this shocking incident. And my friends shared links to news reports and stories about this incident, their own grief about this young woman who had so much life ahead of her, someone who had her priorities straight, thinking of others ahead of herself. And you could hear the sadness that they were experiencing, the seeming helplessness of the moment where they were already anxiously anticipating the the funeral rites and questions like, What can I do? What do I even say to this family suffering such a tragic loss? I never met this young woman, and I don't know this family. There's no connection to them at all. And there's more than enough sad news in families I do know, so why did I need to hear another sad story? These friends of mine reached out to me, not looking to gossip, not to process this loss, or ask for tips on what they should do or say. They were reaching out asking for my prayers. Being young parents themselves of five children with another on the way and devout Catholics, they can't and don't want to imagine this unimaginable loss that these parents and these siblings are experiencing. They feel the inadequacy of being able to do or say anything that 
we as human beings experience whenever we come face to face with the effects of evil, when a tragedy has visited and caused such pain and loss. Because there is nothing that someone can say, nothing that someone can do that's going to make things better for this family. And that's why they turned to prayer and were reaching out, asking others to join them, appealing to God to bring his comfort and his healing when no one and nothing else seems to be able to provide comfort and healing. Looking for the Lord to reveal his presence in and through and with them as they're experiencing their own Good Fridays, wanting their hopes in Easter Sunday not to be shaken or forgotten. They were praying and calling others to pray because they're in relationship with God. They know how he has worked in and through their lives in the past. And at this time, in this space, when these faithful people know and love God and they know that he knows and loves them, they're simply overwhelmed by understandable human emotion. And they want others to join them in their cries to heaven. That's why they're asking for prayers. And it's why prayer matters. On this feast of the ascension of Jesus, we celebrate how 40 days after his resurrection from the dead on Easter Sunday, Jesus was taken up into the heavens. It's kind of a unique experience for us to hear two accounts of this event as we did in today's scriptures, both in the gospel and in the first reading from the Acts of the Apostles. For 40 days now, the apostles have seen and experienced Jesus in his resurrected glorious body multiple times and continuing to work miracles, not the least of which was the healing and transformation of their hearts, where they went from men who had failed miserably, abandoned Jesus in the hours of his passion and death, to experiencing his forgiveness in a profound way personally. They got to experience what a transformational gift that is to experience God's mercy in the face of abject human weaknesses and failure and sin. They're still trying to piece everything together. All that Jesus had said and done, all that they had experienced, all their hopes and their dreams and their expectations. And in that first reading from the Acts of the Apostles, St. Luke gives a fuller explanation of the ascension. They're gathered together with Jesus, and they point-blank ask him, Jesus, this kingdom that you promised, this kingdom of peace, of justice, of love, this kingdom of God that you've been talking about, the fulfillment and the hopes not just of Israel, but deep within the hearts of all humanity, are you going to restore it now? And Jesus' answer of, it's not for you to know the times and seasons that the Father has established by his own authority. It makes it sound somewhat dismissive, like you're not supposed to ask that question. But that's why we have to keep listening as Jesus continues. And he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus is making it clear. It's not a question of when, but how. This is going to happen. He turns it around saying that the kingdom is going to come about through us, through the church. But not that we're just set off on our own to come up with a plan on our own imaginations and our own image. 
that's a recipe for disaster whenever God's people has done that in the past. And just read the entire Old Testament for examples of that. Now, Jesus makes it clear that the kingdom will come about when we're like the first apostles and the first disciples who are men and women dedicated to prayer. Meaning we continue to have our hearts and our minds and our lives shaped by Jesus. That we who received the gift of the Holy Spirit at baptism and confirmation, when we continue to yield to the Holy Spirit's inspirations and promptings, that we who receive his body and blood in the Eucharist, when we desire to become what we eat, to become Jesus for our world, when we go to the sacrament of reconciliation as a place that we can confront our sins and repent and receive his forgiveness and experience that transformation ourselves, that's how we are people who are dedicated to authentic, genuine prayer and desire to have our hearts and minds and lives shaped by Jesus with that vision in mind to work with God to help this world become his kingdom. In short, we don't look to prayer as just asking God to do something, but rather asking, where are you, Lord, in this place, in this time? And what are we to do? How are we to do it? As a nation that has seen yet another horrific scene of violence and death and destruction this past week in Uvalde, Texas, Understandably, people are frightened and scared and people are angry. The death of children in school at the hands of someone who was practically still a child as well is an evil beyond words. If we ever needed evidence of the brokenness of humanity, it's hard to imagine needing to look any further than this most recent horrific scene. Yet the fact that we have to refer to this as the most recent, meaning that there were others that preceded this, whether just a few weeks ago in Buffalo, New York at a supermarket, a few months ago in the subways in New York City, is equally as troubling and disturbing. And like so many other things, we're overwhelmed by the headlines and the stories that keep popping up, and we're presented with images and videos that we can't process at all. People become almost numb into inaction. And we can let the horror recede from our memories and just try to move on with our lives. And that's where some of the anger that some people have directed towards the response that people are praying for the victims and their families. For those who aren't people of faith, that could sound like a trite saying meant to dismiss or deflect the painful reality and just laid at the feet of a God who may or may not exist. And that's why it's important for those of us who know Jesus and who love Jesus and receive Jesus to truly reflect on the power of prayer and invoking prayers. I know in my own life, for example, when my father died, there were some who just hearing and seeing the news just added thoughts and prayers to the hundreds of others posting that as a message on social media. It was different from those who had masses offered for my father or those who performed other acts of kindness and charity and thoughtfulness at a, a time of great loss that was very sudden and unexpected. 
It was different from those who came to the wake or prayed with us at the funeral mass or prayed before, during, and after, that I could actually feel those prayers supporting me as I presided at one of the hardest funerals personally. I don't mean to sound dismissive or judging to those who might have just simply written those words, thoughts, and prayers, but anyone who's had similar experiences knows the difference between someone just saying something and someone actually doing it. Prayer matters. Prayer is important and it's urgent. And this is why those words of scripture stood out today. Because while I get that people are angry and confused right now as we try to respond to this horrific incident, because we can agree as a society, we need to hold people accountable. We need to do all we can to keep people safe, especially innocent children. But the thing is, it's more than a political issue or a mental health issue or a safety issue or whatever other category and the litany of things that people are debating about on every television program. At its core, this is a spiritual issue. And we're talking about some real diabolical evil going on when you have a kid killing children. And it's the height of arrogance and pride for us to think that this is something we can just fix on our own simply by some legislation where you have extremes fighting each other and arguing that if people just did things the way they believed, that would take care of the problem. This is a battle of good and evil. And at his ascension, Jesus commissions us as his disciples to be his witnesses of how he has conquered death and sin. In order to do that, we have to get back to basics and recognize our dignity as made in the image and likeness of God. And teaching that to those who've never known that or have forgotten that. And we need to let go of that pride and ego that dismissively believes we know all the answers. And in humility, recognize our brokenness and our need for God and turn to him for his guidance, for his direction. Recognizing that prayer isn't about God doing things for us, but us asking God to do something to us, to change our hearts, to inspire our minds, to move us and purge all that's evil in our lives so that we can confront it in the world around us. If we do that, then we will be faithful, committed people whose thoughts and prayers are not angrily dismissed, but are genuinely and authentically appreciated and transformational to the world around us.